First up, this is a two-parter. So for those of you who missed part one, go back to the previous episode and start there. If you're ready to join us for part two of Asian Rice Wines and Spirits, then let's go. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. So far, we've discussed sake, sochu, and soju. Now it's time for baiju. Our trusty guide has been no other than the wonder that is Marie Chiang Tang, one of only eight spirit committee members of the IWSC, chairman of the British Sake Association, a council member of the Association of Wine Educators, a member of both the Circle of Wine Writers and the Guild of Food Writers, an educator on Asian rice wine and spirits at the Wine and Spirit Education Trust, and so much more. Now, we join her to take on Baiju. By the way, did you know that you can now watch the previous episode on YouTube? Yep, so check out the Lush Life YouTube channel. All of the past episodes are there, but also season seven, where you can actually get to see us talk. How exciting is that? Almost as exciting as our episode today. China, here we come. Let's go on to the big, big, big topic, Baiju, China, okay? As we know, China right. is crazy amazing. In terms of food, they are, food and drink, they're amazing. We're going to look at Baiju. Baiju is the biggest selling alcoholic drink in the world. Okay, Mao Tai, a particular brand, the most famous brand made famous by Mao Zedong, who, who always served Mao Tai everywhere. And Mao Tai was the, wasn't it the, won a trophy, won the, the biggest accolade trophy at the 1913 World Fair, those expos, the World Expos. So 1913 Panama Expo, Baiju won the accolade. Okay. So today, a production of Baiju is something like 19 billion liters and is the biggest, biggest drinks. Uh, uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not an economist, but uh, it's worth like, I don't know how many, just as much, 19 billion dollars. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Baiju, the, the sales of Baiju is bigger than all four of the Diageos, da, 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 I, you know, those drinks companies put together. So you got to know about Baiju. Does Mao Tai still exist? Oh, yeah. Mao Tai is still around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it state run? Uh, now, that I think it still is. Uh-huh. I'm, I, I'm not sure because things have changed so much in China. Yeah, William Ye is the other one. Uh, I think you're, you're right. There's probably still state-owned. Uh-huh. But let's, let's, let's look a bit of uh, history of okay. Baiju. The first Baiju was only produced in the 13th century. We talked about the Alambics moving from yeah. the 5th century, 5th century AD, I think, okay, slowly moving its way, big still, going to China. It wasn't until the 13th century that China got its first stills to actually distill alcohol. That's surprising. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, to be honest, I think distilled alcohol for drinking didn't actually happen till around then. I think whiskey was yeah. around that. I mean, by the time we got it in the in the UK, it was like the 16th century. 
I always think of China starting everything yeah. way, way, way before anyone else. Exactly. I mean, China, I am told that China yeah, invented lots of things, okay? And they even have a list of sort of like uh, national treasures of which they invented gunpowder, paper, silk. Come on, help me. And distillation. Baiju's one of them. <laughs> and I have two, two of them, pasta and ice cream. There you go. Yeah, noodle, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, yeah, ice cream. Yeah, Noodles you're right. Noodles and yeah. ice cream. Noodles, ice cream. Yeah, yeah, paper, um, yeah, gunpowder, and uh, writing. I think they were the first as well that came up with writing. Yes, I think so too. Calligraphy. Anyway, so Baiju was one of them. And what do they do? We talked about Chinese rice wine. We talked about how they make wine. They figured out very quickly by turning this rice wine into Baiju, made it last longer. But hey, Chinese being Chinese realized that was a long, long, long method of doing. You got to make the rice wine, which is nice and drinkable. Why are you then turning it into a distillate? Baiju, production. Right. I'm not going to talk much about history because I, I, I don't think we have time. But um, production okay. of Baiju is totally, totally different. We talked about the four ingredients in making sake. Baiju can be and is normally made with again cereals that the Chinese don't eat. So rice is very rare because again rice is a staple food of the Chinese. They have to eat wheat again is right. for noodles. Northern China where you can't grow rice, they have to eat. So baiju alcohol, like Japan, like the rest of the world, everybody likes alcohol. Everybody likes to be happy. You got to find something else to <laughs> make alcohol with. So they were using maize, millet. Uh, sorghum, sorghum and millet are very similar, right? Sorghum right. originated from Africa and sorghum is a very hardy crop. It crops like twice a year, easy to grow. It can grow in deserts. It can grow anywhere, but not terribly interesting to eat. So a sorghum, millet is another thing where only, as we know it, only birds eat millet where we, come, right. <laughs> where we live, okay, in the West, where we're too spoiled. So millet, they use Barley, some barley, but they've got this, I think I mentioned to you, or I've mentioned before, interesting cereal called Job's Tears. You can go look it up in Wikipedia. It's a type of barley okay. that's very much available, sort of, again, Africa, in the deserty areas into China. So Job's Tears. If you drink Chinese, what we call barley water, it's not barley, it's actually Job's Tears. And a bit of rice. Sometimes a little bit of rice is put in just to make it more rounded. Okay, so same thing. You got to steam your cereals and then you add your yeast in. That's the difference. Now, starter. We, you know, when you make sourdough bread, you got to make your starter. When you make sake, you got to make your starter. With the Chinese, they got to make their starter. So the starter is called chu, Q U. There are two types of okay. chu. One is da chu. Da again is big, the big chu or the small chu, xiao chu. Big chu, da chu, is made from sort of cereals like you would. Um, you need a substrate for this fungus and everything else to go in. They use things like any kind of carbs they can find, you know, peas, corn, rice, millet, uh, sorghum, everything. So they steam this stuff. They inoculate it with a whole bunch of things. Unlike the Japanese where everything is separate. Chinese are like, yo, we're going to make millions and millions of, of liters of the stuff. We can't have laboratories right. making tiny things in small packs. So they make the dachu, 
Dachu is the size of a brick. It has peas, it's got beans, it's got everything in it, plus the fungus. And the fungus that they put in isn't just one type because A, it takes too long to make one thing grow. So they've got rhizopus, they've got monascus, they have got aspergillus, they've got everything. They then throw in the yeast and bacteria that help break down the, the cell walls of cereal. So everything is thrown in, mixed up, and then they're formed into bricks to ferment slowly. Okay. Koji in the sake world takes 48 hours to create. This stuff is just made into bricks. And there are warehouses in these huge distilleries in China that are kilometers long. We're talking warehouses kilometers long with dart juice all sitting in a warehouse. Waiting to be used. Fermenting, creating, um, creating all the amylase, enzymes and whatever ready to be used. Okay. It takes about six months for a dachu to be ready. So that's dachu. Xiaoju, which is in little bowls, which you can buy in the Chinese supermarkets here in the UK, is just made with rice powder and rhizopus and some sort of yeast, but none of the other bacteria put into it. Okay. So then you have got xiaoju. Okay. Now, fermentation of baiju. No, you don't have fats. No, you don't play with sort of like, you know, machines trying to figure out how temperature and length of time, whatever. Baiju is fermented in pits. We're talking huge, huge pits in the ground where steam cereal is thrown in, mixing it all around and just left in pits in these warehouses, huge, huge 10 kilometer long warehouses to ferment. It takes probably about six months to ferment this cereal, yeah, into an yeah. alcoholic form. Now, wait okay. for this. These pits are never totally emptied. Now, with, uh, I think it's William Ye, which is a very, very famous uh, distillery. Some of these pits have been going for 600 years. Oh, my God. It must be a wonder to see it. It is a wonder. So what happens is when it's time to ferment, laborers will go in there and scoop out the bottom bits, okay? which is the stuff that's probably been put in earliest, right? right? Straight into your distiller. Baiju is distilled solid. Yeah, it is not pressed and then liquid distilled. It is solid distillation. Okay, so this stuff is shoved into your big, huge still, continuous distillation, all right? And the stuff that comes out, is your baiju, and yes, of course, they've got your heads right. and your tails and your whatever, right? And then the the leftover from your your distillation, or actually your fermentation, in this case, distillation, is then thrown back right. into the pits to just mix up again, okay? And that's how it's done, yeah? So your baiju is crazy stuff. Oh my God, I'd love to see it. I haven't seen it myself. I, I, I was invited to China and I still haven't gone because of COVID. <sighs> but um, I've seen, you can go and go on the internet. There will be videos. There will be no recipe, by the way. You ca- I cannot even tell you how the production process is because it's all secret. Sure. And in China, there is a legislation where they are allowed to keep the recipe secret. And even the workers in these um, distillery. They don't know what other sections are doing. It's like Coca-Cola. Everything is kept secret all along the way. Nobody knows exactly 
the full recipe. Right. It's like three people know it and it's kept in a locked box. Oh, no. In this case, it's not even three people know it. The three people know separate parts right, exactly. of it. They've written their separate parts of it and it's kept into three different, different boxes different around boxes. the country. So they never, yeah, and they never ever let out. So anyway, that is the process, okay, of the distillation. And then the distillate is then matured in terracotta pots that are sort of buried, okay? So they're actually buried and they're sealed. And it can take anything from, I don't know, an age through to hundreds of years, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, the kind of baiju we get in this country is already opened up bottles and sent over. The traditional, most expensive way of drinking baiju is to an open pot, brought into your restaurant or whatever and open and drunk. But because the lids of the pots, they use things like straw and whatever to seal it because it needs to breathe a bit or whatever. I I don't know because it's all secret, but things have to be breathing, whatever. So we cannot import this into the UK purely because of, um, you know, our FDAs and our health and safety stuff. So we will never see these pots come in. All right, but there it's literally like broken up. And is it the same drunk. that you drink it okay. neat at a certain temperature, etc.? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Baiju, Chinese. The traditional way of drinking Baiju is at big, huge, amazing banquets in okay. China, right? This may sound terrible, okay, but the, the more magnanimous you are, the more expensive the Baiju okay. is and the more you can afford to give your guests. Right. All right, so banquet food just keeps coming out. You get little cups. The baiju cup is beautiful, okay? It comes, uh, the one I've seen is about this high. It's like about 10 cm. One side is a small measure. Top it round. The other side is a big measure. And it sits both sides because it looks like a little hourglass. Uh So it sits both ends. And the way it's drunk is in one shot. Okay. And the word gambe is used, yeah? Cheers, gambe, you use it. So... All through dinner, you keep sipping this or drinking it or whatever. And all style Chinese banquets, because Chinese, this is a very interesting fact. Chinese, only 50% of the world population of Chinese have got an enzyme that can break down alcohol. Oh, I'm one of the lucky ones. My husband is not so lucky. He cannot drink much alcohol. If he drinks even a glass of red wine, he goes red. He feels very ill. Some people you know, get rashes, whatever. So a lot of Chinese cannot drink. One more question (laughs) about Baiju, drinking it. As it's the most popular and it's sold so much, I assume that, and this, I could totally be wrong with this assumption, that it's not just drunk at these events. Mm. Do people drink it daily in their daily lives? Um, Yeah, it's only used as a celebration. There are cheaper, I believe there are cheaper everyday drinking Baijus I'm talking the really expensive ones. I'm talking right. a bottle of a bottle of normal Mao Tai can cost you up to six hundred pounds. Oh, okay. okay, and uh, an age bottle of um, Mao Tai could be. I think okay, <laughs> a bottle of Mao Tai. I was checking this up. Christie's sold a bottle of Mao Tai for two hundred and thirty-seven thousand pounds. <gasps> one bottle. Oh boy! One bottle. I want to go to that party. Okay, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think the the most expensive bottle I have is a twelve thousand pound special edition Mao Zedong uh, Mao Tai. 
Okay, that's twelve thousand oh, pounds. So we're your house <laughs> so party. I'm not opening that. It's sitting <laughs> hidden, hidden away. But anyway, uh, buy Jews can cost anything from about thirty pounds and up to, as I said, hundreds of thousands. But let's look at Baiju as a category, okay? We, we've roughly worked out how it's made. It's very, very, very complicated. But in terms of Baiju, we're talking of different categories of Baiju. There are 13 different aromas. Now, the Chinese, um, we talked about, we talk about wine. We describe a wine by the variety of the grape, yeah? We describe it by white, rosé, or red. In sake, we've got the eight different categories. With baiju, there are 13, ranging from light aroma. And they, they call it by aroma because the Chinese taste baiju by the smell, by the taste, by the look. And they describe a baiju very differently from us in the West. Now, when you say uh, a baiju has sweetness, there are different types of sweetness. You're talking the sweetness as in sweet water. Uh, you know, here, sort of a sweet water is probably like spring water to a hard type of water, okay. you know, calcified London nine times recycled. So when, when, when they describe baiju, when they talk sweet, they say, they'll say, oh, sweet as water, sweet as sugar. You know, there are different, different explanations of mm -hmm. sweet, sweet as in umami. Now in umami, we think, oh, umami, what do you mean sweet? Now, when you taste a prawn, you taste the sweetness of a prawn. Yeah. Right, of course. Yeah, you, you say a prawn yeah. is sweet, but that sweet yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. sugar sweet. It's sweet. So with baiju, right. same thing. It's that description is very different, and they always say, you know, as salty as, as bitter as, or whatever. They don't just say like us. Oh, the wine is sour. It's got a lot of acid. The Chinese would say it's sour like something. So it gives the person a chance of trying to understand a lot more. So they're very, very clever. So anyway, and I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's so complicated. Anyway, so with Baiju, there are 13 aromas. Light, strong, mixed, sauce, because some of them actually taste of soy sauce, so sauce flavor. Then you have got phoenix flavor. You have got, it goes on, there are 13. And the most weird one is pork flavor. Now, pork flavor is truly pork. What they do is after, just, I think just before they distill a whole or just after they distill or during distillation, a whole chunk of like smoked pork, you know, hamon, that kind of stuff is thrown and steeped into the baiju. And so when that's redistilled, it is distilled after, don't worry. And then it's actually known as pork flavor. It really, G, G meaning pork. I haven't tasted it. I haven't had the chance. That would make an amazing, an amazing Bloody Mary. Yeah, yeah. It's the savoriness in it. Absolutely. So mm -hmm. uh, that's Baiju for you. And what else do you want to know about Baiju? Serving. A lot of Baiju now is put into cocktails. And I believe about four years ago, there was a Baiju cocktail competition. And it was won by an Italian chap, young guy. And boy, oh boy, his taste was amazing. And he created this Baiju cocktail using a piece of wood. Uh, you probably know more than I do from Colombia, from somewhere in South America, where the smoke of that wood was infused into this Baiju cocktail. Uh -huh. And it was absolutely delicious. That sounds amazing. Now, temperature, is it served room temperature yeah. at these? Room temperature or with a block of ice. Baiju, you can actually add hot water as well. You can do anything to just dilute it. But 
it is not generally sort of used with mixers because the taste of baiju is so complex. There's, I can't even explain to you because your first taste of baiju, you're going to go, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, because it's just so different. I promise you. I mean, I judge baijus. I remember the first time I went into a room and we had to do 70 baijus that day. And just the smell of baiju when you walked into the, the building, not even the room, I just stood back and thought, oh my God, what have I put myself into? There is this crazy complexity, everything from every cereal you can think of. The nose is floral, it's fruity, it's got that crazy acidity, it's got cereal, it's earthy, it's uh, mushroomy, it's, it's crazy, crazy, even moldy in the early days. But today, because of China's technology, it is amazing. They have cleaned up so much in the last sort of 15 years of my judging. Today, I am just sort of so excited going in for, uh, for a Baiju competition. They are so, so delicious. Today, they're floral. You can, I, I kind of, you know, the tropical fruit, the guava, the papaya, the pineapple, and um, the savoriness, the umami. It's crazy. But ABV, they're generally around 53%. Yes. That is today's baiju. All the baijus in the old days were, was more like 45, 40, 45. You still get those, but generally rule of thumb is 50 to 58%. So don't go crazy on it. Okay, so you've got 13 aromatics. Okay, the yeah. 13 aromas. And then the Chinese, of course, are very much into their herbal tinctures for health, for vitality. And I think, Susan, you had a bottle you showed me of a light-flavored baiju uh, made in the Shanxi district by a company called Fenjiu. Fenjiu. It's delicious, and it's one of those examples yes. of a herb-infused tincture. And what they do there is they create the baiju, and in that case, it's a light flavor, so it's got very little aromatics because it's got to take in the herbs. That particular bottle you have has been infused with about 21 different types of herbs, including bamboo leaves and bamboo. And then once that concoction is filtered, sugar has been added to it, fructose. So it's more like a liqueur. So there you are, uh, an example of a liqueur-style baiju that they feel, the Chinese feel, would be more acceptable in the West. If I wanted to, and since we are in London, where can people find out more? Like if they wanted to try baiju, if they wanted to try soju and shouju, um, we kind of know where we can get sake. It's yeah, pretty yeah. much ubiquitous now. Where could we try them in London? Okay. Uh, a lot of the bars, hotel bars now serve baijus and shoju's and soju. Soju is not so much because that's more of a Korean restaurant. You can definitely drink that there. But baiju, certainly in Chinese restaurants, and if you care to buy yourself a bottle, places like uh, the big department stores like Harvey Nichols, Harrods, online. You can buy them. A lot of this stuff is available mm -hmm. online now, okay? Cheng International is uh, one of my sponsors, and they are distributors of Baiju and Huangju, which we haven't talked about, but we will shortly. Yeah, they will sell these spirits, and they are available a lot in the more sort of hip bars. Uh, Shoreditch side, East End of London, that's where everything is sprouting, okay. younger population. They're willing to try stuff. Down there, you probably get baijus to, to taste. And a lot of fusion restaurants are now bringing in baiju 
and shochu. Actually, one thing I forgot to mention about shochu, which I've already done for baiju, is that the production of shochu in the distillation, uh, being Japanese, shochu is done by single distillation. All right. And within the single distillation, in other words, once it goes in, it comes out, you've got your shochu. There are, there are different styles. You can have it vacuum or normal. When you say vacuum, basically the whole thing is vacuum. So the temperature of distillation is a lot lower. So if you're going to distill a, a pot of um, shochu at a lower temperature, it means that it keeps a lot of the esters that otherwise would have been lost at a hundred degrees steam going up. Vacuum it, boil it, your boiling temperature will be around 50, 58. It just means that the stuff coming right. through will have a lot more aromatics in it. So that was something I, I really forgot to mention. And with shochu serving, there are five different ways of serving shochu. One, neat on the rocks, diluted with room temperature water, diluted with hot water. And the fifth method is where you decant, say, half a pot of your shochu. Again, 50-50, 60-40, whatever you want, right? Dilute it. Put in very, very clean water. Mix it a bit. Leave it overnight to just mellow through. And then that is drunk in a glass as is. Okay. Okay. So shochu is very, very special. And I, you know, I mentioned five different types of shochu. I forgot to also mention that the brown sugar shochu tastes very similar to rum. It is made by sugarcane. Oh. And unlike rum, it's pure sugarcane juice that is squeezed, okay, and then turned into blocks of brown sugar and then thrown into a big fermentation pot. But koji has to be put in. And you're going to say to me, Marie, you're a crazy woman. Okay. What do you mean koji has to be put in? It's already brown sugar. But to classify as shochu, Japanese shochu, yeah. all Japanese liquor must have koji. That okay. defines... Okay, if you learn Japanese... one thing here today, all <laughs> Japanese liquor has to have koji. Koji. Okay, not Japanese whiskey. Japanese whiskey is whiskey whiskey made in the traditional whiskey way. If they have Japanese gin, it is made, made Japanese uh, gin, European Western style gin, but made in Japan. I'm talking Japanese liquor, i.e. sake, sake and shochu has got to have a bit of koji in it. Otherwise, it's about taxes. Shochu, okay. a bottle of barley shochu, which can taste very much like whiskey, will only cost you in Japan probably like 20 quid. The same bottle of whiskey, Japanese whiskey, would be hundreds. I thought I just mentioned that. Got it? Got it. Okay. And uh, just to prove to you, this is a bottle of Japanese gin kinobi. It's proper gin gin, but it has Japanese infusions in it, like, uh, I don't know, yuzu and that kind of stuff rather than just juniper berries. Mm -hmm. Baiju, this is the bamboo baiju made by Fenju, but this is a 30-year-old Fenju with just only bamboo bamboo leaves. Yours had the non-age baiju with 12 different herbs, including, or 21 different herbs, including bamboo and whatever, plus sugar. Then we've got from the same company that made your bottle and this Fenju is the Fenjo. This is a 30, 40-year-old Funjo uh, that's available in this country at Harvey Nichols and online and everything, light-flavored. And then, for fun, 
I wanted to mention that baiju is not just made in China. This is a Taiwanese-made baiju. Okay, so Taiwan makes it as well. It makes fantastic baiju, and in Taiwan, it is actually called gaoliang. Gaoliang meaning cereal. Okay, and this is a twelve-year-old bottle of baiju. What else have I got? Shochu, sweet potato shochu, made in Japan in a beautiful bottle, and then sake, as we all know, come in these bottles. Another interesting fact with sake. The bottles are not 750 mil. They're only 720. Okay, just to confuse things. Yep. So right, that causes right. a lot of problems, <laughs> uh, a lot of problems with shochu and this stuff because they come in wrong sizes and taxes when they enter this country <laughs> goes mental. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's so much to learn about it, but that's your typical bottle of sake. This is a Junmai Daiginjo top end uh, with a 39% polish. So it comes in a beautiful bottle. And I haven't talked about measurements in Japan, but uh, again, they don't uh, measure in mills. And in Japan, the original way of measuring was in their own Japanese style by 18s, <laughs> by 18 mils, because a cup of rice was measured by a wooden box and that could contain 18 mils. And that was how much rice a person would eat a day. So sake was measured in that same little cup and it's 18 mils. So you bottles go by sort of 18 mils for a cup and then it goes on to 180 mils for the smallest bottle. Then they stop. They use 300 mil for a little bottle. Then it goes up to uh, 720, which is four times 180 uh, of that little cup. And then it goes and then ishobin, which is the big bottle equivalent to our magnum, but that is four of these bottles, which is 1.5 liters, uh, 1.8 liters rather than our 1.5 liters in a magnet. I guess that's why you get it sometimes served in a little box. In, yeah, that's it. So it all yep. comes around. That little box yeah, sorry, is 180 mils. Eight, 18 okay. mils is the little choco, yeah. uh, a little cup, right? Then 180 mils is in that little box. Yeah. And sometimes they give, they serve you a 18 mil, but inside the yes, box of so it. Flows over. And now when drinking sake, you're always meant to fill to the very top to show your hospitality. So that's why they put it in the box so that they can overflow it. Mm -hmm. You should always overflow. And uh, if you go to a restaurant that doesn't give you a glass that overflows, they're not very hospital, hospitality conscious. Exactly. Um, what else can I tell you? There are other Asian countries that make alcohols and uh, spirits. I mean, we know that Thailand makes a rice whiskey. The Mekong whiskey is made from rice and not from barley or wheat. Uh, Philippines makes its own rum now, but it also has a different alcohol that's made with a palm. Malaysia, we have a lot of rice wine uh, made locally. Sarawak, Sabah, Indonesia, uh, there are all sorts of different fermented drinks. Indonesia and Malaysia have got what they call tapai. Tapai is like fermented rice and you eat it like a cake. What else? Oh gosh, arak. Arak is just meaning alcohol. That was uh, India. India has got that. And as we know, India also produces its own sort of wines and uh, other things. And of course, you've got Japanese and Chinese wines. You've got lots of other things. I mean, it's it's crazy, Susan. There's just so much in the Far East. It's endless. It's endless. As I said, we're the Whistle yeah. Stop Tour yep. 101. 
<laughs> I think we've done very well. And I just can't wait to go and, and try some of these and check out the British Sake Association. I will start serving short juice. I have got a lovely collection for members only. It'll happen there. And with Baiju, I'm, I, I am hoping, hopefully, by the end of the year to do a tasting. And hopefully you'll come for that. And we'll advertise that as well in case other people out there want to try some amazing Baiju's. Now, Baiju, okay, I was going to try and figure out how many Baiju producers there are. And the answer is I can't tell you because a lot come in and go. The the longest running nonstop Baiju company is called Wuliang Ye. It's been nonstop for 600 over years. And that's nonstop there. It's been producing before then by a different bunch of people or whatever. Okay. But Baiju goes all the way back to about the 13th century. And of course, if people want to know more about sake, they can always do the WSET course in sake. Yes, of course. In sake, which I teach. Absolutely. Thank you for that. That's a lovely little plug. I also teach the shochu <laughs> course. Look me up and anytime. And of course, any, any of your viewers, if they see me, please come up to me and say hi. I won't bite. I promise. And love to meet anybody interested in eating, drinking like you and I. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I always end with two questions. One is, and okay, we're going to try. I think you've already, you've kind of already answered this, but I usually ask for the top tip for the home bartender. I guess the top tip for anyone who really wants to bring some of these spirits and wines that we've talked about into the house, I guess you suggest maybe just going to your local wine store and asking? No, wine stores, uh, your best bet. Asian yeah. supermarkets will buy you and, and, and some sakes, but their sakes are not going to be terribly good. But I okay. think, you know what? The best thing is to go online. All right. Okay. If you go online, there are so many places now that sell it. And I'm going to, I'm going to plug my great friend, Ollie Hilton Johnson at Tengu Sake. He has got an amazing range of sakes, really good prices. Okay. And Ollie, if you're there, Please help all Susan's uh, viewers. He will send you the stuff. They always come okay. in top condition. Okay. okay. I, I use Oni all the time. You can go to the Japan Center. But Japan Center is a good one. Natural, natural in Ealing. They've now got a separate store that sells sake. Um, there's lots of places. Just go online. But certainly, if okay. you need help, Oli Hilt Johnson he will help you. His website tells you everything. It gives you sort of like tasting notes, flavor profiles. He's amazing. And uh, okay. ringing, you know, order it. Next day it comes and it's in perfect condition, chilled. So a little motorbike guy comes and, and, and he's... Just open, right. The guy comes yep. and you open it and you're drinking sake. And you're drinking and sake. And last but not least, yes. if you could drink anything <laughs> anywhere in the world right now, where would that be? Okay. Because like you, we drink so much stuff. Yeah. We have tasted so much, but there's so much more. So, 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 so much more. You know what? Right now I'm planning a trip to Bhutan. So I'm going to say... If I had a chance, my next drink is going to be sitting in Bhutan, whether it's <laughs> on a mountain, on a, on a little step in a village, but I want to try the Bhutanese ara. Now, <laughs> and you're going to say to me, what on earth is she freaking talking about? And ara is this fermented rice wine or cereal wine that they make. I have no idea 
what it tastes like. You cannot buy it in Bhutan. Only, you can only drink it if somebody offers it to you. They make it at home. So it's got to be Ara. And if it's non-alcoholic, anywhere in the world right now, again, only because I haven't tried it, is the Bhutanese butter tea. It's supposed to be savory. Ooh. Yeah. So there you go. My two oh my gosh. tips at the moment is to be able to try these two things. So on that note. I have a feeling, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that we might be having a whole session on those Bhutanese yeah, spirits yeah. and wines. So yeah. check it out later. Check, yeah, much Listen, later. I can't thank you enough <laughs> for taking so much time with me to do Asian as I'm saying, Rice Wine and Spirits 101. We will come back and do more. I have learned so much. So thank you. Thank you again for spending so much time with me. No problem, Susan. And anytime, just anybody, if you see me out there, I'm sure you recognize me. Just holler out and say, hi, Marie, and ask me questions. Okay, wherever I am in the world. All right, you're so kind. You're so kind. <laughs> well, have a great trip to Bhutan and we will talk to you when you get back. Thank you, Susan. And once again, thank you all for listening and uh, hope to see all of you somewhere, sometime, USA, UK, America, Far East, I don't care where, but I'll be, you'll catch me in some market, some street corner or fishing from some boat. All righty. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. How can I thank Marie for spending so much time with us? It was amazing. I know I'm cracking open my bottle of Baiju and not only sipping it, but using it as the primary ingredient of today's Cocktail of the Week. I am thrilled to be making the Fenju Baiju's Bee's Knees for our Cocktail of the Week. Add all of the following ingredients to a shaker. Now, I'm using 50 mils of Fenju 10-year-old but you can try any similar baiju. Also add 25 mils of lemon juice and 20 mils of honey. Add ice and then shake, shake, shake. Then strain it all into a coupe glass. Cheers. You'll find this recipe, more baiju cocktail recipes and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com where you'll find most of the ingredients in our shop. If you live for Lush Life, would you consider supporting us? Just go to patreon.com slash lushlife and you can donate once or monthly to make sure we are still here every Tuesday. You could get Lush Life merchandise, personalized bar suggestions, exclusive content, and so much more. So check it out at patreon.com slash lushlife. Then, make sure you head out to the bars and restaurants you love. Theme music for Lush Life is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leads me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly. Next week, we head to New Orleans to meet a gal who is shaking things up. Until that time, bottoms up. <laughs>